When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everyone, welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. My name is Ton Dobbe and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration and the author of The Remarkable Effect. I'm creating a tribe of tech entrepreneurs that are on a mission to do something big and meaningful. I invite you to join the tribe as well, especially if you want to create change that matters and put your software business on momentum that you're proud of. The goal that I have with this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. The guest on my podcast today is Boaz Greenwald, CEO of Reviews. I once said a boss that said, one man with conviction, just one man with conviction can make a difference. I think until you get to hundreds of people, one man with conviction is, is like at the core of everything. I love the fact that you create a business out of uh, no business. I think that's, that's, that's a big part of the magic. And, and obviously, the other part is, is changing the life of the customers. When you hear uh, customers that tell you that they get the job done with in days before they took them maybe six months to get done. You know, that's like music. This is Boas. He's a serial entrepreneur, and this is his fifth company he's managing. He loves building businesses and solving real-world problems. His background is in computer science. He started a career in building out technology products, but was always drawn to the business side. Today, he's the CEO of Reviews. They realized many analytical solutions on the market focus on what, when, and how much consumers buy. However, 97% of consumers will walk away from a purchase to buy something else, and brands don't know why. So this is Review's mission to solve, and this inspired me, and hence I invited Boas to my podcast. We explore what's broken in the world of understanding customer and consumer buying behavior. We also talk about how to grow momentum by taking a counterintuitive approach to go to market. And beyond that, we discuss Boa's secrets to building a remarkable software business and the lessons that he learned doing so. By listening to this podcast, you will learn four things. Firstly, why your star solution shouldn't give insights to users on what happened, but it is in the why it happened where the real value unlocks. Secondly, that your value shouldn't be about making a business more efficient to provide them with a position of advantage. Thirdly, why so many SaaS businesses undermine their true potential by hanging on to business principles that serve them more than their customers. And fourthly, why we're often too late in making the right personnel decisions, leaving the wrong people in the wrong place for too long, and how no one wins doing so. Hi Boas. Thank you for making the time available today on your maybe crazy schedule. I'm looking forward to this podcast about your company reviews. So welcome. 
Thanks. Thanks, Don. Happy to be here and very, very excited to share our story. Well, that's what it needs to be all about, right? Stories. When stories are compelling, they get shared. And that's what, what my business is all about at the end. So before we dive into what Reviews does and what the big idea is about the company, a little bit about you. If, if you would have to describe yourself in a couple of words <laughs> as an entrepreneur or a person, which char- well, its characteristics bubble up? You know, for people who have been entrepreneurs for a while, I think it all blends. Entrepreneurship is kind of in your blood and it's kind of hard to, it takes over your schedule and, you know, your day and everything blends. You you work in odd hours of the day and you just like the competition, I guess. You like the hard work and the feeling that you are capable of changing something in the world. Love that. So many entrepreneurs sort of miss that idea. So I'm glad you glad you mentioned it because at the end it is about creating change. That's kind of what drove me in love with with entrepreneurship. It's the power of one person to make an impact because you know with large organizations many many times it's very very hard to put the finger on you know who made the impact who made the change because large teams are involved but with startups entrepreneurship it's small environment and a person can make a difference yeah. and can bring something very, very new to the world. So that's that's kind of how I caught the bug. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And that's, I mean, that's also the reason why I'm in this business for uh, for myself, just to help those tech entrepreneurs on the mission, as I call them. I mean, if you, re- if you look at my book, it's the subtitle of it, because it's amazing sometimes what, what is possible. And then if, if you just start and get things going step by step and move closer to their target, what we can do, especially in this, this time and age with the technology waves that we have behind us. So cool. So talking a little bit, going making the bridge towards reviews, which is spelled in a very interesting way. What's the big idea behind it? I saw the company was founded in 2013. So that was very right. early in that whole online review mantra. What was the big idea? So reviews is on a, on a mission to change how brands understand consumers. When you look at at it as a whole, as an industry, it's an industry that's heavily relying on manual labor, whether those are in traditional methods like running surveys, focus groups, you know, bake-offs, or if you look at the big AI machines that typically require a lot of training, setup, experts, data scientists, and analysts that cater to them, these are all lengthy processes that provide you with eventually limited returns after many, many, many months. And we hear it all the time from brands that we work with that it takes them months and months at best to understand what is the perception of consumers to changes in industry, to a new product, what's the reaction to a new product launch. We can actually cut this down short and also make it accessible to any business user within a brand. You know, they don't need to get out of their chair. They don't need to walk away to the specialists, those experts. We serve them ready insights about their entire industry based on a very, very, very sophisticated technology. And with that, we help a much wider range of roles understand consumers at depth and in near real time. Which is a big, big difference. When you look at consumer consumer industries, there's always the conversation about whether consumers 
you know, trust brands. The word trust is, is repeated a lot. And whether they feel that they are listened to. And today with the whole world of Omnichannel, whether they feel they are listened to consistently across those channels, it's all repeating to how consistently and how quickly can brands respond to what consumers want. And because of what I described earlier, it's, it's something that is not helping brands, the dynamic today are not helping brands raise you know, the trust between them and consumers because they're so slow to react. And we, we are offering them a way to really change their business, to respond faster, to be more competitive, to build better trust. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's normally what my second question is like, what's the opportunity if you get this right? But I think it's indeed it's about competitiveness and it's about creating or meeting that customer expectation that they have today. Because right. in the world where there was no internet and everybody was going to the shop and de- dealing with them one-to-one, that problem wasn't there because right. they would tell them. Right. But now it is. Yeah, I mean, I got a customer in the e-commerce space and they serve exactly that, that particular problem. But those organizations that have always sold in an offline way, now have to kind of go online as well to meet a new expectation, but they cannot live up to the expectations that come with that. And as a consequence, trust declines. Right. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. And we hear stories all the time. I was on a call a few days ago when one of very respectful cosmetic brands told me that, you know, they had a product launch that they were not sure how it's going. With the reviews technology, they were able to see in a couple of days that it's not going well. But then convincing everybody else in the organization, which required some other validation techniques like additional focus groups and additional surveys took months. And eventually after months, they all came to the same conclusion that they could have actually reacted to much faster if they would be open to listening to what consumers are writing about online. It's, it's like one of those sort of biggest misconceptions. On one hand, you got a big pile of online opinions. I think about 2.4 billion people write online reviews. That's according to Statista. And then they do it in an unsolicited manner, mostly at least, and they are verified buyers and it's supposed to be pure gold, but very few people sort of, or brands take it into account. You're completely, completely right on that. And yeah, by the time you then react, the, the damage has been done. Because people get exactly. actually more and more angry. Like, why don't they, these guys react? Why don't they fix it? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So what sparked that, that idea? I mean, I'm not sure whether you were part of Reviews when it was founded. What was the moment where, for example, the ori- original idea came about and it was like, this has to stop? Yeah, I heard the story because my partner and our founder, you know, we actually share a room. You're looking at my half of the room in typical days where there's no pandemic and his kids are in school. He's on the other half, but today he has to stay at home because his, his kids are homeschooled. But so basically they saw the difficulty of having all these experts, data scientists, analysts, training AI machines, how long it takes. It started because he wanted to basically buy a Trolley for the kids. I forgot the terminology. You know, when you have like an infant trolley, when you, when you have a baby and you want to, you know, walk around with them, you typically have like a baby stroller. Yeah. He wanted to buy something online, but it was so confusing that he decided to try to write a little piece of code that will go through the online reviews and will tell him what is the best stroller based on what he thought was the best idea. It did help him make a decision. 
And then he decided to buy a digital camera. You know, a few years back, it was still relevant. And he saw that in order to transition from the strollers to the digital cameras, it, it took quite a while, I mean, to adapt because it was completely different terminology. And that's where it hit him that there's so many consumer industries that this is why experts in such high demand, all these natural language specialists and data scientists, because they need to specialize in an industry to be able to help the brand that they're serving. And then taking that knowledge and migrating it to a new industry is actually a very long ramp-up time. And that's where the idea sparked to build a machine that will do it automatically. And it was a major undertaking, which took some time. That's why our roots are in 2013, and we only started initial sales in 2017. Wow. Okay, yeah. Get that. But then then you're there and you have that advantage. I mean, I had a couple of very strong, well, energetic discussions on my tribe last week about something like similar. Because initially you think, okay, it's like that first layer. If you fix it, then you have a product. But what, the, what came out with, with three of those stories individually from each other is that you have to go deep in order to really, really understand or well, solve the essence of the problem. And that takes right. time. Yeah. Right. And if you don't do that, it's, it will, yeah, you will get some traction, but it will never take off. So you have right. to do the hard things first. So I'm talking about that because, I mean, I follow this space possibly without even realizing it. And I know there's a couple of interesting companies out there, one of them being acquired by SAP, Qualtrics. Right. Then there are, then there are I mean, you got the ones that are really focused on the really broad scale like customer information and employees and products and brands possibly. And then you have to really the niche versions. So it looks like a crowded space. So what did you do in order to create a segment for yourself or a niche for yourself where you could, that you could own? And what did you, what did you do different product wise? Sure. So first of all, it's, yes, it's a crowded space. Like they say for a reason, because consumers are responsible for the the majority of spend around the globe. And, Everybody wants the consumer business. And what we did differently was to heavily rely on our automation. The fact that we are bringing the first sort of automation into market that can mine these e-commerce opinions allows us to really drive the price down. That's one big benefit. And as part of our mission to democratize access to these insights, we also package it in a very simple easy to use packaging that anyone that knows how to use a computer can use. It's literally point and click interface. And so those are the two things that we believe got us to a wider adoption and also allowed us to, from a business perspective and a go-to-market perspective, allowed us to build a very efficient machine that sold this technology and is selling this technology over the phone mostly. Let me make a small interruption here. Boas just made a critical point about how they created defensible differentiation. They're not only creating a solution that solves a valuable and critical problem, they also removed all the friction for customers to adopt it. And this two-punch approach makes it a no-brainer for their customers and allows reviews to turn a typically high-touch approach into a very low-touch one, literally selling their solutions over the phone. This is what remarkable software companies understand like no other. They create something valuable and desirable, and then take a counterintuitive approach to drive big momentum. And you can master these traits as well. I got two options for you to start. 
First, read or listen to my book The Remarkable Effect. And you can find that on Amazon.com. Secondly, get into action right away and surround yourself by a group of people that think and act like you. Tech founders and CEOs that will help you remove your blind spots, explore new paths and sharpen your thinking. How? Just visit valueinspiration.com. Back to the interview. So, so basically we generate leads, we start a dialogue. The whole dialogue is being done online and because the costs are relatively low, the deals are closed online, even with the largest organizations. Yeah, that's scalable. Exactly. Much, much, exactly. much more scalable because typically you see, of course, the larger consumer brands, these are large organizations, enterprise type deals, and they can take months. Yeah, I like that word democratize here because I hear that a lot. But what you really did there is look at like what is what are the barriers that could that could hold you up. I had a very interesting discussion, I think last year, with a, com- a company called Sensing, who took it really to an angle yeah, that, that fascinated me. Typically, an industry where the average deal size was about a million dollars to get in, and everybody underneath was like impossible. And now they, uh, they make it available for free, for, well, for, for download. You don't even have to leave your email address. And then the orders come in because people like it so much, they want to have a license for so many thousand records. <laughs> that, that's that's where we are heading exactly. We we want to continue the revolution. We we had to because it's so sophisticated technology. We had to proof it, and the easiest for us was to access the the early adopters, the the brands, the large brands that really were willing to adopt it early. And, and even when there was a price tag on it, pay the price tag. And now we are working to even package it in a more Simpler packaging, and we will launch out a, a free offering later in the year, in in the second quarter. Nice, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you 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 use yeah the right word, yes. There, sophisticated technology, but just because sophisticated technology is sophisticated, it doesn't have to be co- complex to put it in, right? Exactly. And I'll send you maybe a nice deck that we have that talks about it. But we literally believe that today brands are. You know, not, not intentionally, but they're making it hard for their employees to understand consumers and to get their job done. I mean, literally, you need an expert for everything. You want to run a survey, you know, what, what are you going to ask? Who are you going to ask those people? Yeah. You know, there's so many considerations. You want to yeah. run a focus group. A focus group is like, you know, probably 30, 50K in terms of cost. And then who are you going to bring in? What are you going to show them? What are you going to ask them? There's so many potential bias, there's so many red tape, there's so many logistics, and eventually it's bogging down the ability of the organization to get anything done. That's why we strongly believe that the more people that will be armed within a brand with the knowledge of what exactly consumers are thinking about them and about their competitors, the brand is just going to be more competitive, it's going to run faster, it's going to make better products and eventually it's going to benefit consumers completely agree because i mean i think there's also a misconception that this type of technology is just for the marketing departments to understand what is the response it's superb for sales but it's maybe even more important for example for r&d right to keep tuning the thing yeah exactly exactly surprisingly we see wide adoption both in product and in uh, marketing but out of these there's other places like customer service or e-commerce you know or innovation, and, and sometimes it takes an educational effort to get to these departments. Yeah, that's true. 
I've always been a fan of Steve Jobs, I mean, of course, when he was still alive. And one of the things he always said was this innovation is not about what you say yes to, but what you say no to. Are there yeah. any things on their journey? Because like we started, it can be a crowded space. It is about choices. So where did you say deliberately no, and which, which turned out to be a very good decision to make? Two examples pop into mind. On the technology side, we had the option to, when I joined the company about three years ago, each implementation was still sort of heavy and involved some custom work and professional services. And as part of the democratization approach, we really wanted to get rid of that and we invested heavily in eliminating it, although, you know, it was probably easier for many aspects to stay with it. You know, that's one area. And Big one, by the way. Sorry? It's a big one, by the way. I actually wrote a post about it yesterday, about the decisions we don't take because it cannibalizes our business. And if the business has been run on a, on a subscription lag and on a services lag, where the services department actually has a target to grow revenue and to be and, and improve utilization, taking that away... And you're not going to make friends there because people see, hey, this is my job. <laughs> so it's... Right, right. Yeah. And the other one was on, on pricing. You know, we have investors and we have a lot of pressure to grow the business, obviously. And there's always the obvious question of why not, you know, double or triple your prices. But we really want to deliver on our mission of democratization. And if we do that, then you're suddenly not attractive for every department or individual. You, you're only attractive for corporate deals or really large departments. And yeah. that, that takes away the mission that we are on. And I believe long-term it will limit us more than help us. And so that, that's another type of example. That does, does Great example. Matter. Yeah, I mean, it's living the, living the mission because you feel it's right. And there will always be people that say you're doing it wrong, but it's that conviction and staying, staying true to where you're going with it. And over time, of course, it will, it will really help you and it will come your way. Impossibly in numbers, you, you, have, you couldn't have budgeted for up front. So cool. So, so what did you learn when you started selling this? I mean, of course, you were not part of that whole journey, although yeah, the, the product got launched, what I see here is 2017. Beyond selling it online... Beyond and over the phone, how did the market react to a product like this? So the market embraced us enthusiastically. We have today to date working with about a hundred brands, and what is also very very cool is that none of them are local. You know, we only <laughs> focused on the larger markets. Israel is a small market, and we're able to sell it over the phone to people you know around the globe: U.S., Canada, China, Japan, France, Germany. So very excited about the list of brands that we serve, those are household names. We believe, though, that there's more room to accelerate the pace and grow. And this is why I want to offer this sort of free offering because to some degree, I, I feel like, you know, we have the, the best things in sliced bread, you know, for the industry. It's like you feel like you're the maker or the inventor of, of Tesla. Only, you know, on the technology side, us as, as a software company, we can be fortunate enough to give it to everybody for free. You know, it may be a very small Tesla when we give it for free, but, but still a Tesla. It's something yeah. new that, that no one else can provide in our industry. And we believe that will help us build our name even further. And also we'll expand the democratization scope to smaller businesses, individuals with really 
limited buying power or no buying power within brands because eventually you want to make the entire brand smarter. We don't just want to go after, you know, a marketing department or a market research department. So that's where our head is at. You know, if Elon Musk would have given everybody a Tesla in the world, most likely, you know, after that experience, we'll all just buy Teslas because it would be such a compelling experience. Yeah. That's, that's what we're going after. Cool. Yeah, I mean, you have to try these things out. And I mean, product-led growth is possibly a very wise strategy because at the end, if the product is compelling and people love it, they will talk about it and it will, it will start to spread the news. So in that whole journey that you've been around with the company, what has been your, one of your biggest obstacles that you have to, uh, had to overcome in order <laughs> to get through the hurdle of like, making it go and take off? I can give you a lot of stories, but I think at the end of the day, it's all about people. It's the team that you have on board and how committed they are and, and how skillful they are. That's, that's, this is my fourth startup or fifth startup, depending on what's included in the count or not. It's always been around getting the right people and putting them in place. So that, that was the, always the biggest challenge. That's, have you got any wisdom to share there? <laughs> Only that it's the most important thing. This is, I think, I think that the CEO is in general two big, big things to address. It's funding, obviously. You have to keep the money flowing because that, that, that pays the bill that allows everybody to work and you have to put the right talent in place. That, that's it. And it's ongoing. Both of them are ongoing. Like it's never done. You, there's always more money to be brought in and there's always more room for better talent or more talent. And in some cases, because... Starting a business from zero and growing it, you know, it comes in sort of phases. Sometimes you need to invest more in a team to get them to the next level, or sometimes you need to mix it with some external talent. It's, it's ongoing. It's never ending. And I think those are like the two biggest responsibilities of a CEO. Everything else is, is tactical. True. Yeah, and it's plotting out that roots and, of course, then understanding like what type of people you need on your, on your journey. Right. Well, let, let me sort of phrase the question maybe in a different way. I mean, I talked about my book earlier before we started the podcast, The Remarkable Effect, and how, what are the 10 traits that define the software companies that we keep talking about? Mm-hmm. From your experience, from, from being involved in five startups, what do you believe are traits that you need to have in order to build such a company that uh, your customers yeah, walk away with? The biggest one is conviction. You know, I once had a boss that said, one man with conviction, just one man with conviction can make a difference. And I, I, I really believe, really believe in it. One of my earlier companies actually uh, was eventually wound down, but we had a big deal, a licensing deal with Apple. And the investors really wanted to shut down the business. They didn't think that it had much of a future, but they didn't want to give up on that deal. So they let me run that business as a one-man show. For about a year, as long as it was running smoothly, and I used to, you know, get on conference calls with Apple and update the website and update the software and email, you know, everybody that need to be emailed and ship whatever needed to be shipped. And it taught me such a lesson, you know, that one person can actually create the misconception that this is like a company that has, you know, quite a few people in it and it's operating and it's selling and there's revenues and it was 
also very profitable for, for that for that year but literally in early stage startups I think until you get to hundreds of people one man with conviction is is like at the core of everything after there's hundred hundred employees it's been proven you know they're not there for just because right. for fun you know they're paid right. it's profitable it's proven yeah you don't need conviction that anymore but right. to get beyond that that notion of is this going to fly <laughs> I completely agree with you it's turning from positive to negative like five times or you know 20 times in a day you have good calls you have bad calls you have good news you have bad news you have you have crises things work things don't work it's not for the faint of heart but the core of it is that you have to get up in the morning with a conviction yeah mindset it's all about mindset at the end because it's not about I mean if you don't take, if you start taking it personal then 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 things will uh, move out I would say you know all of that that journey what has been your biggest regret what would you do different what would you have learned earlier on that you could say hey I wish I wouldn't have made this mistake I think to me it all, always goes back to the people you know having the right people in the right places okay yeah It's always the toughest decision when I when I joined the company you know I, I joined it after it already you know built the initial set of product and there was some inherent talent although I knew that it wasn't the right talent necessarily to take it to the next level I took some time to make the difficult decision in hindsight I should have should have made them earlier it's always about putting the right talent in the right place. That's true. Yeah. And the question at the end is, what questions do you, do you ask yourself and what do you have to validate in order to make that decision earlier? That's, that's true. But sometimes, yeah, it's, it's funny how people react. So right. if, you, if you would uh, look at it in hindsight right now, how do you prevent right now to, to not make that mistake again? I mean, are there any things that you learned from there that that's a valuable thing to know? Well, everything, it's always a matter of time for startups. Startups are running on, on you know, limited time. something will happen you know something bad will happen it's like a plane trying to take off you know it has a very limited time to get to the right speed to take off yeah otherwise the runway will end you know and it will not so same thing for entrepreneurships you have to get it off the ground before you know you run out of money or before someone beats you to it or before something bad else is happening and so putting always the right you talent at the right time is what makes everything work faster it just saves a lot of time either on mistakes or execution it gets the job done earlier I agree so what are you most proud of with what you've achieved so far I mean customer anecdotes or yeah what are the things that you that you proudly talk about to others I'll give you my my personal perspective but even to me it sounds a bit corny but First of all, I love the fact that you create a business out of uh, no business and suddenly there's dozens of families that make a living off the business and get on happy hours and, you know, share uh, nice games or meals or stuff. That's, I think that's magic, right? You created a community of happy people that make a living out of nothing. So to me, I think that's, that's, that's a big part of the magic. And, and obviously, the other part is, is changing the life of the customers. When you hear uh, customers that tell you that they get the job done with, within days before they took them maybe six months to get done, you know, that's like music. 
Yeah, that they start writing reviews about it that you can just pick <laughs> up and get on your desk to, to kind of the second after that. Right, <laughs> right. I completely agree. There's nothing better than a customer that's saying that you made an impact on them. It's right. That's what you do it for. And that's also the whole reason why I wrote the book, The Remarkable Effect, because if that's, that happens, you're onto something. Because you cannot have a large enough marketing budget to amplify happy customer speaking about it. It's, right. Yeah. And and it's kind of funny because you're, you're touching on something that some of the, the actually the largest and smartest brands are on to. I'm starting to hear it repeatedly is that they start to understand what you just said as well. And so they want to even mimic it. So some of our more advanced customers are actually trying to now, when they want to talk about something in their marketing, they're actually looking through our technology at how consumers are actually speaking about it, what are the exact phrases that they're using because they want to mimic the language of the people, the, actually the, the crowd language, if you will. True. It's a way to yeah, I mean, more precise in their marketing. It's about hitting the right nerve. It's, that's one of the, the, the traits that I describe in my book. You know, it's, it's really literally that the customer starts to feel like, wait a minute, these guys get me. They're, they're, like, they're in my head. And we tend to, well, from a marketing perspective, particularly in the technology industry, we tend to just talk at people rather than talk with them and using right. crazy language that is that feels fancy and big. And <laughs> and we totally lose, we do, we do the opposite. We lose everybody. And e-commerce is actually one of the opportunities to potentially build that relationship back because suddenly you got these omni-channel and many, many different communication channels that are becoming more and more front and center. People suddenly chat with you or they leave those reviews or leave questions and you can answer the questions. Completely and agree. It's a, yeah. a huge opportunity here to really rebuild the brand-consumer relationship. That's the opportunity. And if technology can help, that's only a good thing. So let me see, almost getting to the bottom of the hour here. Is there one piece of advice you would like to leave the audience with typically people that are in the technology industry that might also want to have the aspiration to to start a company or to to build something that is that people love and talk about any tidbits so, of wisdom that you want to gain like we talked it's not something for the faint of heart it's a lot of blood sweat and tears until you get somewhere and the odds are in a lot of cases against you so i think you need to pick something that you're passionate about like like you did and then, you know, you have to try to surround yourselves with the right partners to yeah. support you in this. And, and not necessarily replicas of you. It's more important that they'll be complementary and, you know, we'll be able to support you in the tough times as well as be aggressive counterparts when there's positive times. True. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for sharing that. So what's next? Where do you want to take reviews in the next 12 to 18 months? We really want to revolutionize how brands understand consumers. We have the technology for it, and now we're packaging it in even more packages so everybody can benefit. And I hope in 18 months or so, or even 12, we will have a much, much bigger customer base and a lot more brands that will benefit from it. So, yeah, I mean, that's the final question now. So where can people go to find out more about reviews or to say hi to you? Sure. Either www.reviews.it, reviews it, or boaz at reviews.it. Very good. 
Thank you very much. I mean, I enjoy this conversation. I, I like the approach that you take to building a business and how important you place the role into people and also making an impact and creating change. That always gets me going. I think you touched upon a couple of very important things that are a problem these days with the online world. I mean, deteriorating trust that you're solving that with your solution. I love, I love the story around democratizing and what you do on the product side, but also on the business model side to help that accelerate. So a lot, a lot of lessons learned and a lot of yeah, nice things to take away from it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. Take care. And this ends my conversation with Boas. I hope you enjoyed it. If so, please leave a review on iTunes. And if it inspired you, please share it with other tech entrepreneurs on the mission that you have in your network. Other than that, thank you for tuning into this podcast. I had the honor to speak to Boas Greenwald, CEO of Reviews. As said, the goal that I have in this podcast is twofold. Firstly, to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. And secondly, share experiences from tech entrepreneurs like you about what is required to create a remarkable software business and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Before I close, I have two more comments to make. If you know other tech entrepreneurs on a mission that have a story worth sharing, please send me an email at ton.dobby at valueinspiration.com. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas. And that starts with you. And if you want to know more about my book, or you're interested in joining the Remarkable Effect tribe, please visit my website at www.valueinspiration.com. Thanks for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast on iTunes or provide me with your feedback directly. I'll see you shortly on a new episode. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.